yes, yes, yes. In this episode of Mont Icons, we speak to journalist and comedian John Safran. Mr. John Safran, Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Welcome. Why aren't you talking in your native tongue? <laughs> what is your native tongue, Daniel? Oh, we're not doing Arabic for the whole interview. Damn. I was going to. But... I'm a man without a native tongue. Really? It sounds like the start of a... Country uh, song? No, no. A, a hip-hop consciousness song. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm a man without a native tongue. <laughs> what can you tell us about this book that you're working on so far? Oh, it's about... How, oh, 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 one big thing is, look how I already sound on the defensive. <laughs> how we, uh, uh, it, it's about how everything's still chugging along in a very big way in the cigarette industry, yet it's become the, a real unzeitgeist issue compared with, oh, let's talk about Black Lives Matter, Let's talk about trans issues. Let's talk about, I don't know, climate change or whatever. And then you have this thing that still kills 8 million people a year. And that's out of 52 million. Only 52 million people die each year of everything. 8 million of those is cigarette related. And it's it's just like fallen out of the... Like, who thinks about it? And, uh, yeah, so, so I, I'm really leaning into that, like, in... in like, uh, you know, poking around, looking here, looking there about what's happening in the cigarette industry and, and also how it's da- doing dances with the vaping industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in hearing a, a bit about that because um, it does seem to be that we are on the threshold of this whole... Um, we don't know what, what what's happening when people do that, right? Is yeah. that, Am I right about that? Like, we, we we haven't been vaping for long enough to know what's going on there oh yeah for sure which means there's yeah there's a gray zone where you can pluck at different facts and put together whatever story you want and it's true within that limited way so you can pluck together evidence that it's healthier or less dangerous than smoking and you can pluck together things that say well it's less dangerous in certain ways it doesn't have smoke but it's more dangerous in other ways you can pluck and have that story you can pluck together that you don't know anything which is kind of true like what do we know at this point so we shouldn't do it or what yeah so yeah yeah, it's a it's a very fertile time for people on all sides to try to massage the narrative to the way they want to massage the narrative when you were um, talking earlier about being a spoken word poet, yeah. um, just thinking about that, do you, do you feel like there's a pressure for you to be funny about really serious issues in this book? Like, do you oh, have well, to find like were the you comedy? Sub-tw- in- were you subtweeting me just then about, my like, <laughs> God, that was so unfunny, that answer. Uh, no, I, I, want, I want to be funny, particularly in this book, because uh, it, will give me, it gives me parameters and I know when to move on. So I'll write something up until when it's funny <laughs> and then I'll go, okay, well, I've done that chapter. Now, now I can move on. It just, I, I find it really helps. And also it's not like it's a bad thing to be funny. It seems like if people are expecting my book to be funny, like, oh, that's nice. You know, like, there's worse things that can happen. Yeah, it's weird to me that like journalists can't, can't be funny or reporters can't be funny. Like, why is that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess some of them, they didn't grow up with Weird Al Yankovic, for instance. <laughs> they don't have the bare essentials of how to be funny. And I guess if you're, like, covering a true crime, you've got to be careful, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... Yeah, it's serious, serious subject matter. Yeah. Well, one of the serious subject matters we did want to talk to you about and one of, one of the reasons we, we asked you to come here was um, we wanted to talk about um, the Christchurch. Oh, yes. But then, since then, um, we've also had the the young man arrested in Albury uh, on terrorist offences. Um, so I was just wanting to get some of your insight on that because you've been exploring this very unfunny world for quite some time. <laughs> but, yeah, but in a funny way. Yeah. My last year, my last book was on that. Uh, it depends what you mean by extremist. And yeah, I hit the streets with the far right, and 
also hung out with a, a, an Aussie ISIS dude who's in jail now and also hung around a bit with the like anarchists and but but yeah the far right was interesting because when I started hanging out with them I didn't think uh, it was just like oh this is interesting and these are worth writing about but then uh, the world started catching up so yeah it was like when I started hanging out with them on the streets they were real obscure and you know just seemed strange to the wider world if they ever thought about them at all but then uh, you know Trump got nominated and Pauline Hanson came back and they started infusing each other you know bellowing life into each other so then I then yeah then I became like ahead of the curve it's like oh I knew this stuff and so that was good good news bad news for the world good news for my book and yes so, so yes that's true what would you like to know <laughs> although having said that it's ever since I finished the book I haven't really been following it on the granular level that I did well, just I on that on that level yeah. um one thing I'm quite interested in is the the way that young people have tended to go in the cultural narrative of subcultures and, and, and the like has tended to be um, uh, when you're street protesting, it's against capitalism or it's for animal rights or it's, it has something to do, it's generally a leftist agenda. And now we have this like strong move to where um, the right are more physically present on the street, like in, in, in that kind of respect. And I want to get some insight from you on that, like whether... Yeah, what was, what was it like taking to the streets with, um, you know, what was it, the True Blue Crew or United? Um, some, they've all got I similar they're, names. I think they're a hip hop posse. <laughs> the Rocksteady crew you're thinking about. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yeah, like the United Patriots Front, I think was the grouplet that was there when I first arrived, and it's it's one of these scenes where there's so many schisms and every, everyone fights, and it's a soap opera. And uh, uh, one thing I noticed is that the leaders of these groups are different to the people who rock up. So often the leaders of these groups are very they know exactly what they're doing and this is for the far right and they've read like real extreme and I guess esoteric literature so they'll know about the protocols of the elders of Zion this you know olden days you know anti-semitic text or whatever and they'll know about these theories that go back you know hundreds of years and and yeah, so they're not just, it's not like they haven't thought it through or, you know, they just saw some Muslim on TV and decided, oh, I'm going to, yeah, I don't like that. He's got brown skin or something. Like it's, it for the leaders, it's really way more uh, complicated and in-depth than that. Like they're into fascism more than they're into racism, for instance. And like fascism, when you're into fascism as opposed to racism, um, yeah, it just gets like really complicated. Oh, and they're racist too. But I mean, that's almost like that doesn't get to the nub of nub of it, if you know what I mean. It doesn't get to the nub of why they're. I, I guess things can go haywire, and yeah, like, like for instance, they, they they won't really care if you know white people are elected, and they're not like, oh well, you know. Uh, uh, Anthony Albanese is white, and and so oh that's a really good thing or whatever. Like they, it's just it's way more complicated than that for them. And also they're obsessed with Jews in a way. I think the more mainstream, lower level racism in Australia at least isn't. So I think if you're just a regular schmo on the street who doesn't like um, foreigners and asylum seekers, like you don't really think about the Jews one way or the other really, and but you get up to these, for these groups, like Jews, that's the main game. Like, that's that's where all the problems are. And and they even see other problems through the vector of the Jews. So, it's like, the Jews are in charge of immigration. So, Jews, they don't like Muslims, and it, but Jews are the ones who brought the Muslims here. And, yeah, so, so they're, they're, they're front and centre. Whilst the people who, really like, rock up to these rallies can be anything. They can just be, uh, you know... Today, tonight, 
bigots, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. you know, they, they watch things on the day to night and they get riled up. I'm not sure today to night's even on anymore. <laughs> That's how dated I am. <laughs> the, the, um, uh, There's nothing quite like being hungover and watching today tonight, though. Yeah. <laughs> that in the Daily Mail, just scrolling through it when you're coming down or bender or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or what's that? What's security for? What was that show that used to be on Channel Seven, which I reckon is going to like date, the border border patrol? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to really date really badly. So you have people who turn up and they just might be, they've kind of like half thought it through, but then you have other people have turned up. Because they've been manipulated in like like I'll give you an example. I was talking to this woman at one of these rallies, and I was like, "Oh, why are you here?" And she goes, "Oh, yeah, we've got a real ice problem where I live, and like the United Patriots Front have said they're going to really help with the ice problem." And she was being sincere, and so then it's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have people like that who have uh, get. Uh, kind of manipulated I guess and 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 also when it built up in Australia it built up online a bit so it was really in a bubble and I think when it started to hit the streets and I'll, and and there were people who were so I'm jumping around a bit there were people who I'd say were kind of Dick Smith fans you know Dick Smith goes on about you know like buy Australia and everything so I think when they these groups first started even though the leaders were really um you know, fascistic or whatever. Like you had people like that turning up where it's like, yeah, we should all buy Australian because somehow in their bubble online, that's what, that's how this had been pitched. And I think one of the things that really uh, helped bring down their numbers is, and it kind of says that the left or right, when they say you should all turn up to rally and counter protest is that just coming out in the fresh air and seeing how there were these people who were like against you really made you think for the first time. You weren't in your bubble anymore. It's like, oh, hang on. And, you know, of course, for some of them, they could just buy into some conspiracy that the counter-protesters were communists or, or whatever, or George Soros had sent them. But for a lot of them, it was the first time it's like, oh, hang on, something, oh, okay. I'm sort of following something that's extreme or not acceptable. or And, and then the, their numbers really dropped off, like all the... We're turning up to a picnic because we think you should buy Australia, like Dick Smith says, mm. or, or, or that that kind of crowd really thinned out by the next rally. Did Did you um, get to interview any of the leaders? Uh, yeah, I got to interview. Uh, yes, so I, I spoke to. Do you want me to say their names? Because there's some people. I, I'm always. I'm, all, I'm. I'm kind of happy to use their names, but in this era of, era of social media, like you mention their names and they just. No, not that they pile on. I don't mind that. I don't mind them. They sort of like use it to, first of all, they, they like it, <laughs> and, and, and which I, I guess is yeah. just... I don't they, have to use their names. Yeah, it's real if people really want to and find out their names, they, they can, can read your book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, one in particular who I won't name, I'm actually thinking, about, he just, you cannot mention his name because he'll turn it into a, a YouTube clip within 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. He somehow, you know, he's, he's somehow... F- feeding a line in here and he can hear everything and it'll be a, a thing. But uh, th- th- that's why, yeah, with one, one of the main leaders, that's how I I learnt the whole, they're really deep into old school fascism message because, yeah, I guess when you're just, you, especially in Australia, you just, it, it just seems like so foreign, all that stuff. Like, like why would... How, how did they, you know, what were they talking about or did they start name dropping? Yeah, it's, it's like that. We, it starts... They start talking like, oh, yeah, we just uh, – we, we don't mind who anyone is. It's just like they, – they, they're, they're so annoying when they're not when they're, when they're they're not being racist because it's like <laughs> – I've got this book to write. But also it's bullshit because it, they, they, the way they meander around things and – but, but yeah, they, they usually just get into it, uh, you know, after a while. Like, they, yeah, they know all this obscure stuff that you're surprised they know. Mm-hmm. If, if what, I, like Holocaust denial sort of shit? Or yeah, yeah. Lots of... Like that guy that you interviewed. Um, oh, yeah. David Irving or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's amazing. And, and, yeah, it's usually the... You can really spot them with the Jew stuff, as I say, that they're yeah. fascists. Because, like, regular just bigots 
just don't in Australia don't care about that kind of stuff. And then, but they do. And and, and th there's also a lot of there's a, an attraction to power, and so they jump around a bit with how they're going to uh, try to absorb this power. So they'll go into like non-racial uh, areas if they feel like they're going to absorb some of the power. So they'll yeah they'll go into class issues, but then that becomes really complicated because they hate the left for talking about class all the time. And yet, so they have to do that. I guess it's the dance that Adolf Hitler had to do also. It just becomes, it becomes really complicated for if you're not a political theorist, like I'm not, because if you just go in there going, oh, this is going to be simple. There's, uh, they're white and they hate black people and they hate, uh, and they hate, I don't know who they hate. But it becomes just so complicated. For instance, they're against globalization. And for someone of, of my old age, that, that was like a lefty thing. It's like, what? Hang on, you're against corporations and you're against... I, I thought, be, because if you're just a regular lefty, you think all these people on the right are in bed with capitalism and they hate the communists and it's way more messy with them. And, yeah, that they hate globalisation and they hate, they hate uh, corporations and, yeah, so they sound really lefty on a lot of matters. Did they try and uh, avoid uh, acknowledging like who you were in writing this book? And I mean, no. like one, one common thread across these extremists is anti-Semitism from yeah. like, different worlds that you're in, assuming not the anarchists, of course, but yeah. like uh, the other people that you spoke to. Oh yeah, um, it's, it's kind of hard to know. I think they're just a bit surprised. Like if you bothered going up to talk to them. And also I was there when no one was talking to them. Like no one even knew who they were, so they were just like that, like someone's interested or whatever. And I do think it's like, what 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 are they going to do? Like, if you actually walk up to them and start talking to them, are they going to like punch you in the face? Like, probably they could or whatever. I was <laughs> but they didn't. So, uh, but but yeah, that 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 was kind of fun for the book because whichever space I went into. It was immediately there's something hanging over it. Yes. So, so obviously with the white supremacists, they don't like Jews. But then like with when I talked to the ISIS dude, you know. Uh, yeah, talk about that, like the first meeting with Musa San Antonio. Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear that. Well. And who Musa is and what you knew about him before the meeting. Also, uh, Musa is currently uh, serving time for... Uh, God, what did, uh, for? Well, he tr he tried to, uh, according to the Australian Federal Police, he tried to escape Australia on a boat, <laughs> on a seven meter boat, and he had a little gang of wannabe jihadis with him. And their plan was, and all of them, or at least most of them, had had their already had their passports confiscated probably for exactly this reason, so they couldn't travel. And they wanted to escape to the Philippines where there's a little ISIS franchise there. And and presume, I think, yeah, so I think the Australian Federal Police were like, oh, they're going over there to m mix up with them. So, so they got arrested and uh, put in jail. But when I met him, he wasn't like that at all. We're not, oh, hang on, that's not... <laughs> I, I met him because I was hunting down another dude. There was this dude who who had Aboriginal heritage, but was also he'd gone to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, probably. Yes, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> and he'd sort of become somewhat. He was considered he'd become somewhat radicalized because uh, he had. Um, and he actually went over there and he learned how to become an exorcist, which was kind of interesting. But anyway, so I was hunting down. An editor of a paper was like, hey, John, can you find this guy and interview him? And so I was just darting all around social media and writing messages to everyone trying to track down this guy. And one of them was Mr. Serantonio. And so he got back to me. He goes, oh, I really like your stuff. <laughs> and, really? Yeah. So then when... So then when then I was like, oh, okay, maybe find out who this Musa dude is. And he was already controversial because he'd become, he, he'd gone, I think, to Egypt 
He'd gone to Egypt and he, and first of all, he was a convert. I think he converted around age 18, maybe. And he'd gone to Egypt and become a bit of a celebrity there as a blue-eyed, fair-skinned, uh, blonde-haired, uh, like Muslim preacher or whatever. And he was considered really radical and radical enough that Australian authorities were k- keeping their eye on him. And then he, he'd, he'd written something on social media about how he was going to uh, fight in Syria or something. Or fight, but or he, he kind of, he either, he, he implied, or it was taken by the authorities at least, that some post he made uh, su- suggested that he was going to fight for ISIS, basically. So they were like, what the hell? And they went around looking for him, and he ended up being in the Philippines, holed up with his girlfriend or wife at the time and the Australia, so he got deported from the Philippines and brought back to Australia and that's when he had his passport uh, revoked so so that was around the time I went to meet him and he was living at home with his mum at that time and so yeah I got to hang out at the family home for a couple of days and it was yeah it was fun it was interesting and it was you know it was the kind of thing I like to write about because his family they're not they're just they're not Muslim because he converted himself and his family, I guess, in some ways, are archetypal, you know, white Australians. And so that was sort of hilarious. <laughs> there, was kind of, there, were all these, there was all these contrasts. Like, for instance, he was making his mother take down these pictures of uh, the Last Supper because she was, you know, lightly Christian, lightly Catholic or whatever. And he was like, well, I can't be in a house when there's Last Supper or whatever. And then he also didn't like any imagery of, or any imagery at all, really. And, and, and the mother collected owls. That was her thing. Little porcelain owls, pictures of owls, latch hooks of owls and everything. And, but she, yeah, she fought back on that one. And she was like, no, nah, sorry, Musa, I don't care. Yeah. Or not, she didn't even call him Musa because she's, the family still called him by his old name, which I think was Robert. And, uh, yeah, and he was a really smart dude. I've, I've heard from other people, maybe you, that a lot of these radical f- people are maybe not so educated or something. But M- Musa was really bright and, yeah, and really interesting. And, 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 but, and But things were so confusing. He was so comfortable with, uh, like, like he'd play me an, an ISIS, like the latest ISIS video where... Because uh, ISIS started putting real slick production values into their videos and the, their recruitment videos, and they'd look like uh, the trailer for like some Tom Cruise Mission Impossible or whatever, like open on black and then fade up and but and 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 he'd show me this and they'd be just such, you, you know, and like it was horrifying because like the movies they'd cut out the second before the violence. And yeah, so there'd be a guy there on his knees, another guy with a sword comes down and then sort of cuts to black just as he's about to be beheaded. And it's, but this is real shit. And, and Musa was just comfortable. Yeah, it was just really confusing because you'd be talking to him and you'd get lulled into this thing where he's just a normal person, like just talking to you guys. And, and he sort of had a sense of humour, except you knew where, yeah, you knew not to draw a picture of Muhammad. Let's yes. put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but he had a sense of humour. Did he ever acknowledge your background or fame? Yeah, but for people who are like hardcore like him. They're, they're too smart to nah, let get in the way? Or? We're sort of, once you get that hardcore, this sounds a bit weird, but you've got a collection of villains in the world and... I think for him, like the Jews weren't really such a villain, just personally. You know, you're just you're idiosyncratic and it's like, yeah, I'm into this, I'm not into that or whatever. And, and for instance, the, the, there is a... Uh, so his thing about the Jews was that the Jews started off cool and then the rabbis started reinterpreting the Torah, which is, from a Muslim's point of view, is really just the Quran. And because... Yeah, for a Muslim like him, at least. 
it, like it's always been Islam. So, uh, like Moses wasn't Jewish, or was he? Is he even is Moses have been Jewish? No, you know, like Abraham and like Abraham was Muslim. Everyone was Muslim since the beginning. So he was he was kind of like, oh, the Jews used to be cool, but then the rabbis reinterpreted the book and. That's where it all went wrong. And then there's all this kind of real like patronizing stuff about how, oh, no, we like the Jews because when the caliphate's set up, you'll have your own little area and the rabbis will be in charge and, and the rabbis will be like able to like command all the Jews around and all this. And yeah, there's this sort. So, so there's kind of a framework where the Jews don't have to be so bad for an ISIS person. But I mean, like, yeah, I, I think just him personally, just it just wasn't his thing. Was there anything about the personalities of these people that you started to recognise as, despite their ideological convictions, there's some, something at base quite similar about well, kind of extremists? Yeah, well, one thing is it, it can be a shortcut to becoming a king so and having status. So it's the, ego. Well, yeah, He's going to be getting out of prison soon, so I'm going to be very tread very lightly about it. Hey, Musa, I didn't say it was ego. <laughs> no, um, yeah, so because ego—that's a sin. Yeah, it's what, what, what I how I interpreted it was that if you had like, like a conventional upbringing, and you're in your early twenties to mid twenties, and so you ended up becoming a labourer, and you've you know got you're getting good money coming in, and you're you know you got a family of your own and so and you know people do well that's that's what you're meant to do so you've got a bit of status or alternatively you go and study to become a lawyer or a doctor or whatever an architect and then you're in your mid-20s and as a man and you've just got a bit of status and then if, if you didn't do that uh a kind of a shortcut to being a king in a very small pond is to start up a little radical grouplet. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, so especially on the far right, I noticed that it was like, yeah, suddenly you've got this little gang around you and you're a king. You're a king in a very small kingdom. And, yeah, so so it just, it it, it gives you status, even if it's a bit of, uh, what do you call it? You know, emperor's new clothes (laughs) status. But, But still, you can... You can do that, and you, you can you can kind of have a shortcut to status without having to do a whatever a six year medical degree. How does that compare with um, the the far left or the anarchists that you spoke to? Do you see that kind of same sense of being a, a kingdom in a hi- hierarchy free kingdom, or, or or is it more complicated than that? I spent less time with them, but I mean, there's all sorts of things going on on the far left. You, you definitely have a lot of people who are who I don't reckon would be far left when push came to shove. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, they're just generally people who are into human rights and, you know, they don't like how refugees are treated or how uh, Aboriginal people are treated. And so they sort of, that becomes, you know, where, where they end up. But uh, were they, I mean, I, I, basically I didn't spend enough time with the, with the the left, and I, I think, and I think in Australia, there's, but uh, basically, I didn't spend enough time to sort of find these kind of real super radical leftists, which there there are because in in America, there's all this crazy stuff that's gone down, you know, recently with Antifa and the fights on the streets and murders, and, and so clearly there there is a, a an aspect of that, but yeah, the the ones in Australia would just the way I engaged with them at least was more oh these are people who sort of are for uh, it was more simple than that at least in the context that I saw them it was just like oh there's these racists so let's go do a counter counter rally or whatever but I mean they they could be annoying because <laughs> they seemed really uh, but I guess it was it was like a weird moment I was hanging out with them because there was this whole thing of because I guess the hard left generally are more about class. And so on some level, the hard left aren't really, except in so much as they can leverage it, they're not really into this kind of identity politics of like breaking people into little groups. Because ideally, if you're on the hard left, it's like, oh, it's, it's all us workers, no matter what background we're from. And we're against the bosses. 
And so I think when I was hanging out with them, it, it was becoming this thing like the real growth of identity politics having this like power, you know, where like sit sit down, white man or whatever. And it's like, well, okay, well, just say you're in a on the hard left. What does that mean? Like, does that, does that mean white people shouldn't talk? Or, and and I really got the impression from most of the people on the hard left that they were kind of riding out identity politics because they didn't kind of know how to handle it like they you know like they kind of got that it's like oh it's bad optics or it's going to be a bit of poor taste to kind of tell some brown person well actually it's about class so um but yeah I got the impression they were more kind of writing it out and rather than sort of agreeing with this kind of uh identity politics but I don't know everything becomes so complicated because there's just so many versions going on out there and it kind of depends on which exact version. But yeah, I got, I got really confused by, uh, I don't know if it's a hard left, but this, the, the left and how they dealt with Jews or whatever, like on all sorts of weird ways. Like I was out, like the first day I went out to a rally, uh, for my book and I didn't even know I was doing a book then. So I just went down to the rally just out of curiosity because it was there was these things, like there was going to be skinheads on the streets of Melbourne. It just sounded like really weird. And I guess part of my mind was going, oh, maybe I can write something about this or whatever. So I turned up and within like an hour, within under an hour, because I was like tweeting sarcastic things about the rally, like, like, oh, you know, I just saw a guy, I took a photo of a guy with a swastika on the back of his neck and I was like, oh, listen, I don't want to jump, jump to any conclusions. He could be a Buddhist, that might be the peace symbol. So I was just doing all these sarcastic things and then I got like f- f- a bit of flack. Like, and I just didn't understand it because I couldn't believe it where the one dude, and this was from a lefty perspective, was like, uh, anti-racism doesn't need any more white people to speak on its behalf. And like having a go at me for being at a rally where there's Nazis and sort of being against the Nazis, like that's problematic because for some reason I'm not, I'm not Jewish, I'm white. And I was just going, this is, and I was like, this is weird. And first I thought, and there were a couple, and the other thing was these were from tastemakers like these weren't from, and when I say tastemakers, I mean, you know, the kind of people who might write articles for, you know, websites that deal with um, leftism and, and anti-racism and shit like that. So it wasn't like just regular idiots or something like that who didn't get it. It was like, these people surely knew Nazis don't like Jews and they knew I was Jewish. And it's like, they're still playing this card. It's like, uh, and I, I thought, I thought it was, I thought, oh, this just must be some odd thing. Like, oh, this is pretty funny. I put it, and I put it in the first article I wrote because I wrote it as an article in the paper before a book. And people got shitty about that. Like, I, because I dealt with that humor, humorously, mm-hmm. where I was like, uh, the, the whole thing of being a Jew at a anti-Nazi rally and people on the left telling you you're problematic. Yes. <laughs> and, and so I thought, I thought I'd just like stumbled across some weird glitch in the matrix and I just continued. And then I just realized, no, it wasn't. There's it, like this real contorted, strange, and it's a combination of not knowing enough about history and and a combination of how we filter the world these days. And, and then a bit of the Israel-Palestine conflict gets in there. And then there's things about which are really uncomfortable where their basic argument is the same as the far right, which is... Jews are privileged, and so therefore, <laughs> so the far right's telling you Jews are privileged, and then the far left is, oh, Jews are privileged, and so therefore, but are, are we that, talking that, that's privilege a, because uh, the argument is that you're optics-wise, like white-facing people, or I, yeah, I well, don't know well, 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 it's both. It's both. Well, it's at least three things. It's that we're economically privileged, which is kind of a bit dodgy. For for instance, uh, I mean this this is all just talking very generally. But like if you if you just look at like the poverty in Australia, it's like the poverty rate amongst the Jewish communities pretty much online with the general community. So you've got to kind of put that in the mix. But 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 anyway, regardless, that's what one of the things is we we're just economically privileged, and so therefore, and racism's about discriminate uh, is about power, 
So because Jews have power, they can't be the the victims of racism. And and then there's also this white thing, which, yeah, we should talk about that. That's really fascinating, where it's like we're just, we're white. And, and so how can white people suffer racism? And then what's the other one? And yeah, just generally we... It's this like weird thing, this unthought out thing where oh, we've just blended into the mainstream and therefore we can't be victims of racism. And, and all these things, I, I think that there's a real disconnect with me and the left about these issues because I've like looked into anti-Semitism and the long run. And so lots of these things kind of touch on these real fucking raw nerves. Yeah, I, I see. Like, so. like, 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 for instance, I, the, the best way I can compare it is... Like, you know, if an American comes to Australia, and this has happened, like an American musician and or a comedian going and and just said, oh, man, man I met this Aboriginal dude and, yeah, yeah, he had really white skin. And, like, that just seems like, I mean, from his perspective, that's fine or whatever. But we know, because we know more, even as non-Aboriginal, that it's like, no, that's actually touching on some real fucked up stuff about... Mm-hmm assimilation, about assumptions about what Aboriginal identity means. Stolen uh, generation. And stolen, and everything, like it touches. So lots of this stuff where a lefty thinks they're being very clever, it really touches on things like that for Jewish people. I mean, I mean, I guess the thing is, it's one of these things where it's got truth to it, but kind of so what? Because lots of things have truth to it. So it's more, it's more the context of... Focusing on that and not focusing on other things. For instance, uh, if Pauline Hansen says, oh, the burqa uh, is a symbol, like women are, uh, you shouldn't be forced to wear the burqa because it's sexist and it's misogynist and it comes from a misogynistic culture or whatever. Like the left don't go, oh, let's examine like the kernels of truth in that. Or if someone else said, they just kind of know what she's up to. Like she's trying to weaponize mm-hmm. an issue to try to, to win some seats, and, yeah, and yeah. denigrate Muslims and yeah, to yeah. have people shun them or whatever. So this whole thing of like the, the left does these things with Jews, where they'll say something and it's got like a layer of like, yeah, that, that's a fine, that's a fair enough argument to have in some context, you know, like you know, Jews white or whatever. But but they they they're just like Pauline Hanson. They're not doing it as some like little good faith argument. It's like. It's some fucked up thing. What, what what do you think that is? I guess is what I'm trying to ask you. Like, what 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 does it come down to? Is it as, as is it as simple as drawing from a history of anti-Semitism? Mm. Uh, yeah, well, I I think one one of the problems, especially in Australia, I think this would be a lot easier in pretty much any country except Australia, because part of the issue with Australia that I've noticed is that mainstream Australia often doesn't think about Jews one way or the other. So, um, yeah, so, it, like, my argument isn't that there's this, oh, my God, there's this dangerous mainstreaming of anti-Semitism in Australia. It's like, it's more there's this ugly thing on the fringes mm. that can burst into the mainstream, and that's 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 more, more the issue. But, I, I mean... One of the, if if you go down to these rallies where they're like anti-Muslim, you have all, people with all sorts of arguments why they're there, and you've got real malicious ones, you've got naive ones, and all that kind of stuff. But it's not really up to the Muslim community to kind of go into the hearts and minds, and and, and so sort of like look at the positive side of this anti-Muslim rally, like. Oh my God! Well, it's really unfair that you're criticising this anti-Muslim rally because actually some of the people there kind of like haven't thought it through or whatever. So there's a bit of that with, in the context of Australia with anti and and the far left with anti-Jewish sentiment, like they just haven't thought it through. So it's sort of, sometimes it's kind of hard to pin down. Mm-hmm. But but there's uh, just like really strange stuff. I'll, I'll give you like some examples so you know I'm not mad. Like beyond being told I should leave an anti-racist rally because I'm white, <laughs> that... In, in the same week as there was this massacre in America of, at a synagogue, uh, the uh, University of Sydney newspaper ran this full-page like article which was about how Jewish students at the university campus are like, are like Israelis on Palestinian land. And 
it was like it was meant to be a joke piece or whatever. So I, I saw that like someone sent it to me, and I was like going, oh, this is pretty edgy, and I was going, oh, okay, and and I was waiting to I, I thought I'd flick through the magazine and just see. I was like, oh, cool. It's like South Park '90s transgressions back. I'm into this, <laughs> but then I like turn the pages and everything's like unspeakably woke, unspeakably. We're not going to st- uh, step on any toes. We're not. Uh, and then there's just this one page saying Jewish students at the university campus are kind of like unwanted and problematic and stuff like that. And I was like, that's just so bizarre. Like, how how can it be like? Everything's going in one direction of, you know, don't step on any eggshells. And then you've got this one thing where it's just totally outrageous. And, yeah, that's just how – but that's how, just how it is amongst the fringe with how they see Jewish people. Like they see – and how confident they are. Like these are the people who would never – like they'd rather chop off their hands than um, misgender a trans person, the, the kind of people who like write for the University of Sydney magazine – Yet they're happy to just run a piece. Oh, Jewish students are problematic on this on, on the university campus. It's just just really strange. Yeah, I've never really thought about how both sides of the you know oh. political spectrum are united at the extremes <laughs> yes. in this in this way. And and one of the other things that's kind of confused, bit of a head fuck for a Jew is that it kind of be different. There's thousands of issues out there. So if someone's just not interested in Jews or anti-Semitism, that's cool. Like, there's thousands of things I'm not addressing. So I, I don't. But the problem with the the left is that they do want to use the Jews when it's beneficial to them. So, like, they hate Trump, for instance, or even like Scott Morrison. And so, if there's any, if there's anything where they can use anti-Semitism or Jews to like beat the right, like you know, tr- accuse Trump of being anti-Semitic, or they love it. So it's like. They bring it. They dip into us when it's like convenient. When it's gonna, and then suddenly they're nowhere to be seen when it's inconvenient. I have seen a, a number of kind of online confrontations between um, uh, anti-racists, or, or using that word, you know, specifically the anti-racist yeah. kind of ideology, and um, and Jewish people trying to figure out where they fit into that. Yeah, and, and that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, like yeah. Where do you actually fit into the into the kind of woke ideology, like where's John Safran in in, in that in that world, and that, is that what you refer to as being the glitch in the matrix? Like you've yes, kind yes, of discovered yes, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's just all these, like for instance, in, in the New York Times recently, the, there was an article about Louis Farrakhan. Um, mm. You know that guy from the Nation of Islam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's like just full, it's like an American sect, which despite its name isn't actually considered Islam by most. Muslim people. He's it's, very evangelical, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, not even, no one can defend him because he doesn't use any code words. Usually if people want to go to the Jews, they try to, it's like, oh, no, I'm just talking about Israel. I'm not talking about Jews. He's talking about Jews. And, it, and he also dips into like the New Testament and everything. So, so it, it, it's just impossible to stand up for him. Like he's going, yeah, yeah, I think Jews are the sons of the devil because of this Bible quote. So you don't even get like kind of like the left really standing up for him. But anyway, so this, um, this writer wrote this piece about sort of a bit of a puff piece about him, about how, how he was uh, he's misunderstood because he really helped the Women's March in some way or something. And anyway, so a couple of some Jews online are like, what the hell? Why are you doing a puff piece on the Jews are the children of the devil guy or whatever? And then the writer's response was, um, and she was black, the writer's response was, uh, people who have become white shouldn't tell people of color how to, you know, write their articles or something like that. So, so it's basically, you lob things at the Jews as Jews, and then you shapeshift them into white people as soon as they want to go. Well, hang on. Now that you've brought up Louis Farrakhan, like suddenly we're not Jews anymore. Suddenly we're white people, and that kind of like just shows a bit of like the little game that people. I don't know what you, what you want to call them, like on the woke woke side, say things. And and another thing is that they do, I've noticed, is they have this thing where they make out it's really complicated to stand with the Jews. Like, oh, it's so complicated because Jews are white. Or it's so complicated because of like the Israel-Palestine conflict. And maybe, 
you know, there's Jews with bad faith calling anti and and they make out it's really complicated, which it's true, it's complicated, but you pull the lens out, it's like everything's complicated. Um, you know, like for instance, if you want to uh, be against the intervention in um, the Northern Territory, you know, there's a, you know, there's a royal commission saying there's child abuse in the Northern Territory amongst them. So, but the left don't get all kind of tripped up over their shoelaces about that. It's not like, oh, well, how can we stand with Aboriginal people when there's that or there's corruption in this Aboriginal organisation? They just sort of like know how to like cut to the chase in a good way and get on with it. And also, obviously, with like you could just be derail any defence of Islam or Muslim people by kind of going, oh, what about this terrorist attack? Or, oh, what about the Quran? What about like, and the left never... They're not there. You know, the left weren't failing to turn up to rallies against Islamophobia. Like, they weren't going, oh, it's so complicated because, you know, when Pauline Hansen says, you know, there's terrorism, she's kind of right or what? Like, they just kind of cut to the chase. But then when it comes to the Jews, there just seems to be this thing where they, they make out it's so complicated. And it's like, no, it's not. Well, it's only as complicated as everything else is complicated. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy the... It's so complicated thing. And also, it's kind of just highly suspicious because the whole history of anti-Semitism is you tag the Jews with whatever um, is the bad thing at the time in your own community. Yeah, do you want to actually just go into that, the protocols kind of thing? Because I feel like giving a bit of background. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty interesting history, how that's been used so so, so much. So that was, yeah. yeah, that was like this forged document which purported to be this, the minutes of a meeting of powerful Jews on how they were going to run the world. And I think it's from a couple of hundred years ago from Russia. And it kind of caught fire. And people just, and still to this day, people, enough people think it's true. Mm. And, and, so, and you're looking at me like, yeah, you would say that. The <laughs> protocols did say that they, they will send out little agents. <laughs> But, um, no, no, I, I was going to say, and if you could explain what Zionism and contemporary Zionism oh, yeah, kind true. of means, yeah, because I mean, people th- link the two. Sure. Well, this is this is where it gets really weird in the context of Australia, because you, you can just assume everyone's got the bare essentials, but like there's so much out there. Like in the same way, I, I just don't have the bare essentials about what's going on with Pakistan and, 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 and India or whatever, or like the, I don't have the bare essentials about like thousands of things. So yeah, I think a mistake I've made, I've always assumed just because, oh, you know, Schindler's List is pretty mainstream and hear about Israel in the news all the time. And, you know, there's lots of Seinfeld and <laughs> Surely everyone knows about, you know, the Jews or whatever, but it's like, yeah, it, the Jews are a weird glitch in this whole discussion about racism that goes back like thousands of years. And can be really, in a good way, I, I think this is in a good way, cause, which is like, it's why it makes Australia good for the Jews or whatever, but it's like so disconnected from what a, like a, a modern Australian of, of any background would be thinking, or at least most of them or whatever. Like, like, you know, it goes back to the Jews killed Jesus Christ. Mm. And as and like, we live in a real secular country here. So just people would probably not connect that to the modern world or, They'd think anyone was bizarre if they connected to the modern world. But if that, that long history of the Jews killed Jesus, or at least the New Testament says it does, with the cooperation of the Romans or whatever, but, I mean, I don't really... Regardless, I, I don't know, no, no, but regardless, people think the Jews killed Christ. Like, if you go to, in Poland or Hungary today, like, that still has weight that the Jews killed the Messiah. And, and that's like... It, it, it's just a, it's a distaste in the community or whatever. And I mean, you see some of that in the, like the first Borat movie where Sasha Baron Cohen's making fun of, you know, the running of the Jew and all these, these sort of conspiracies and this hatred or whatever. But it's like a, it's like based on a real thing. You know, it's like, even though it's not a real, it mightn't be a, even though you're not going to find too many people in Australia or America who are like, the Jews killed Christ and whatever. It's still like a freaking powerful thing. I guess it's understandable because you just think about how powerful religion is 
Mel, how, Mel Gibson made a movie about yeah. it. <laughs> and you think about how powerful these books are. And, uh, yeah, so, so you've, you've, you've got this whole, like, weird strand of anti-Semitism going to that. And that's sort of... Also the fact that the Jews sold out Jesus, or a Jew, Judas sold out Jesus for money. So that, I think, might be the origin story of Jews will do anything for money. And then that led into... This is really uh, rough stuff, you know, but not, you know, like just, mm. you know, like I'm not, I'm not getting into the de- details or whatever. But then you get into the, uh, the there were laws passed that in Europe that uh, Jews weren't allowed to have all sorts of jobs and also that Christians weren't allowed to have jobs that involved lending money because it went against their Christian beliefs. And then they said, okay, well, we'll get the Jews to do this. So then the Jews got involved in the money trade that way. And then that became like... Uh, this, compounded that, yeah, that Yeah, that compounded that thing where it's like, oh, the Jews are connected to money and the Jews are bad news or whatever. So there's that, and that still exists to these days. And then, God, I, I don't know, you might know more about this, but, uh, you know, the, there's... Uh, that's just the Christian side of things or whatever. Oh, oh then also with uh, the start of communism. The, where the very root of communism, they use, like in the papers, you know, like Marx or whatever. No, who, is Marx the first dude? Yeah. Like they use Jews as their reference point as like what's wrong with capitalism and, uh, you know, and, the, and so the Jews are tied in with the capitalists um, there. So, so we're just this kind of figure in all sorts of real big belief systems, like we're this villain or at least this a contentious figure and yeah and so and, and yeah and so what about with islam i don't know like the the i i, I think it goes back to the first war right um <laughs> muhammad went back to and this is stretching my islamic history yes. but yeah i think it, there was a dispute oh yeah sorts over yeah. so so at the very least like i know less about that and it's also confused because People say, they go, oh, the Jews and Muslims used to live together in such peace and harmony. I've never been able to kind of dig into that. I've, I've always been suspicious about how... I think, how, I think I need, they, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I know when uh, when I was in Morocco, there there was... Yeah, they seemed to be very proud of their uh, history and um, relationship. But then you never know the reality. I, I mean, I don't know how they were treated in their quarters by population and stuff like that but yeah and then then at least at the very least like the quran a bit like the new testament um the quran's got really contentious oh the, i'll go broader than that because i don't know what's the quran and what's you know the, the hadith the or whatever but generally islamic scripture you, you can at very least cherry pick things out of it that are like really contentious and have real negative portrayals of the jews or whatever but i mean they'll say oh, no, but there's good stuff too. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure there is. And I'm sure there's good stuff in the New Testament too. And also, oh, I'll put it out there. Yeah, there's bad stuff in the Jewish Torah. I'm not denying it. Although the Jewish Torah, because it's the first one, it doesn't actually bag the other two. because the, the other haven't two, happened yet. The, the other two haven't happened yet. But it bags homosexuals and everything. So I hope this doesn't sound like I'm like ragging on the New Testament and the Quran and going, oh, but the Torah... Oh, it's awesome. How, how does that all fit in with? Because a lot of these guys on the far right um, always are, you know, going on about Zionism. Yeah. How does that relate to the protocols of? I, I, like I think. What, that, is there okay, a connection so Zion, there, or, or so Zionism is uh, Jews who thought, "Oh, listen, we're just so unwelcome in the broader world, so we need a, our own homeland," mm-hmm. and so they were going for Israel which was Palestine at the time, and their argument was, well, this was our land, you know, in the times of the Bible. Uh, but the, but the, there, were other, there were other locations that were being considered, and, and a couple of them were in Australia. Really? So that would have been cool, yeah. Because uh, this was... And the context of when Zionism really became got powerful well not powerful but like people going yeah yeah well that's that's a good argument was the holocaust where like six million jews had been killed uh in europe for being jewish 
And then it was like, oh, hang on. They really do have a point that there's, there's sort of like anti-Semitism out there. And then they uh, – and, and, and then there was enough leverage because of that, I guess, that um, Israel – yeah, Jews got to set up Israel. And then obviously Palestinians were living there and there were wars and there's – that continues to this day. So then that becomes – that becomes a complication thing when you talk about anti-Semitism because you'll get people who will say, well, I'm not at all, it's nothing to do with anything but um, the Israel-Palestine conflict, which I'm sure there are people like that, so I'm not like saying there isn't or whatever. But going back to my other point about how it's everything, everything's complicated, not just this. You know, I, I don't hear any lefties kind of going, well, you hate Aboriginal people or you, you're totally shun and you're dismissive of Aboriginal people, but for the right reasons. Because, you know, because you can cherry pick issues in that. And they don't say that about Muslims. They don't say that, they don't kind of take issues that have like kernels of truth to them to sort of totally dismiss other cultures. It's just the Jews for some reason, suspiciously. And actually the whole thing about talking about the Holocaust is, which just really infuriated me when I was told I wasn't welcome at an anti-racism rally in Australia, and not only an anti-race, an anti-Nazi rally in Australia. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, I am in Australia because my grandparents had to flee the Nazis in Poland and all their family were killed by Nazis. Fuck you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so obnoxious. And to be then, like, have twisted things around that it's problematic for me to be in Melbourne protesting Nazis. And then also, well, if you've got a problem with me being in Australia, it's not my fault. I'm, I'm in Australia because my family don't have a home in Poland anymore, you know. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, I wonder if, it, if we're creeping into the age where, um, you know, wars become so distant. I, I, I remember speaking to Valerie about this and he talks about, like, the way in universities people admire, like, certain Stalinist like ideologies and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, and, or they, you know, wearing, for me as an Afghan, my parents fled Afghanistan because of the, you know, Soviet invasion. And, you so know, you my, have, yeah, my you have family fled communist. Latvia for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Stalin represents a, a figure of like a kind of atrocious figure in, 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 in the kind of background of my family, like inherited terror of, of Russia and, and, and the consequences of Stalinism is um, is, is is something like almost like innate, you know. My grandparents, after they fled Poland, they were in the, you know, the former Soviet Union. Um, my mum was actually born in Uzbekistan on the run. But... Uh, so, yeah, so they had a bit of a negative vibe about the communists. And I remember when I was in university, I was never that kind of, I was more into the art side of things rather than reading about politics or whatever. But I, th I think I'd read some Noam Chomsky and I was blabbering to my granddad about it. And my dad was in the room <laughs> and my dad just goes like, he fled communists. You know what I mean? He's not going to be, <laughs> he's not going to be on board. <laughs> <laughs> with your like, oh, well, how cool are the communists? Yeah, yeah. Not that I, I was saying that. I don't, I don't even know what I was saying. I'm actually surprised I even got into politics deep enough to have a fight with him. But I, I do remember that and I was going, oh, yeah, people just have bit different backstories and you can't just live in the present tense and not... Yeah, that, that not, sense of historic literacy that you were talking about that makes it so important to understand... Like, there's a, a, an enormous number of people who are completely... It's not that they deny the Holocaust happened. They just don't even know that, that it happened. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And also, even if it's not dangerous, it's really annoying to me. And I think... <laughs> I, yeah, I think the government should... Inter education department should introduce a, a policy of, like, how do we teach ch children, our school kids, enough so they stop being really annoying to John Safran. <laughs>
Litmus Media.